not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it empowers us to have a more than abundant life. So I step back now so the Spirit of God can use me to articulate the oracles of God. I thank you that power, authority, breakthrough, and change is going to come as a result of you hearing your word today. And I thank you for empowering us to live successful lives through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I declare today that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow your word in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house. You may be seated at home. We are in a new series entitled Greater because we believe that 2021 is going to be a year of great reward and greater things. Say amen to that. Amen. The word greater means more mighty and infinitely superior in importance, in size, and significance than anything or anybody. And I believe that's the kind of God we serve. And I believe that's the kind of year we are going to have. Amen. And if you're watching today or you're attending here for the very first time, I want to encourage you to go back and watch the first three messages that we have. Now, last week we talked about the reward side of God. Everybody say the reward side of God. And we used Hebrews 11:6 as our foundational text to help us properly understand what the word reward means. Now, in Hebrews 11:6, they're going to put it on the screen. It says, "But without faith, it is impossible." Say impossible. It is impossible for, for uh, us to please God without faith. And then it says, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When you look that word rewarded up, it means one who pays wages. Everybody say one who pays wages. So God, listen. God pays wages and brings increase to those who diligently seek him. That word diligent means to crave, to search him out, and to inquire. So listen, our prosperity in life is tied to our pursuit in God and not just our pursuit in things. Say amen to that. And last week, one of the areas that we briefly talked about was our positions as sons of God and sons and daughters of God. When I say sons of God, I mean sons and daughters of God. And we talked about the status, you know, the status of our salvation. And I made a statement that I know was counter-radical for some of you all. I said this. I said, if grace saved us, grace must keep us saved. Everybody say, if grace saved me, 
Grace has to keep me saved. Now, I could tell at that point last week in the lesson that I needed to not only bring some further clarity to that, but I also see that I need to help reset some of you all's spiritual foundations. Because a lot of people have not been taught properly in this area and you cannot have confidence towards God and you cannot have confidence in your sonship if you're not sure if you're saved and how to stay saved. Somebody say amen to that. So our lesson is the part two of last week. And if you're taking notes, it's the the reward side of God part two. Now, last week I made it clear that God is a God of reward. Everybody say God is a God of reward. I made that clear. And one thing that I believe is true, when, you, when you're not secure in your sonship, you will never have the confidence towards God or the attitude that you deserve to be rewarded. And so I dealt with that. And so I first started explaining about our relationship with God and how it cannot be earned. You cannot earn a relationship with God. You cannot earn salvation. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start right here today about our salvation, and then we're going to move forward. So if you're taking notes, I only have two points today, and that is, here's the first one. Salvation is works free. Salvation is works free. Now see, me just saying that sent some chills up some of you all's religious spine. Because you were probably taught that God will save you, but what was implied is that you must keep yourself saved by acting right. Now how many believe that way growing up? Let me see your hand, 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 hand. Lots of hands. Let me see your hands online. Put it in there and say, yeah, I was taught that way too. In other words, the moment how I act or how you act or what we did became sinful, then we were in jeopardy of losing our salvation. In other words, my relationship with God is on the verge of being lost. Therefore, I must confess my sin, listen, to stay saved. Well, let me make the statement again. If grace saved you, grace has to keep you saved. Everybody say, if grace saved me, Grace must keep me saved. So let me read Ephesians 2 and then we're going to get deep into this. Because before the day is out, I want you to be 100% sure that you are saved. Because once you know that, now my relationship with God is secure. And I'm going to show you today that God ain't mad at you like you think he is. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Watch verse 9. Not about works, lest any man should boast. The New Living Translation says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Watch verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And here's the thing. Most people believe that when they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they believe that they are saved, but they don't believe they are safe. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Most people, when they get saved, 
They believe when they confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and they believe in their heart that God is raised from the dead, they believe that they are saved, but they don't believe they are safe. And here's why. Because in their mind, you know, they've done their part. Uh, Jesus did his part when he saved them. But now, watch this, they must do their part and work to stay saved. So, here's what most people don't understand. Are y'all ready to learn today? Here's what most people don't understand. When you get saved, two things get started. Here's the first thing that gets started. Your relationship with God get started when you get saved. But here's the second thing that gets started when you get saved. Your fellowship with God gets started when you get saved. And these two things are different. So let's deal with the works and the salvation piece. Let's do that because in order for you to walk in peace with God and to have confidence towards Him, you have to know that salvation and works are separate. And see, here's the thing. People have been taught that they are saved by grace. However, it's not always been explained well enough to help them know that works come after salvation. You don't work for salvation. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now listen, I'm gonna, let me warn you. We're going to read a lot of scriptures, but I promise you at the end of what we read, you will have complete understanding about your security in Christ. It says, now I'm reading out of the King James, and I, brethren, this is Paul talking. He says, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babies in Christ. He says, I fed you with milk and not with meat. He says, for here... You were not able to hear it or bear it. Verse 3. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, and division. So let me just stop right there. Anytime you see envyings, strife, and division, it's because carnality is taking place. And this is why you can see that in our political world today. That's why you have, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm an Independent. You know why we're like that? It's because we're carnal. I didn't get no amens. I heard a rat tell me amen, though. Watch what he says. He says, aren't you not carnal and you walk like me in verse 4? For while one says, I am a Paul. And another says, I am out of Apollos. Oh, I like Bishop Jakes. I love Pastor Abbott. For who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? Listen, but ministers by whom you have believed, even as the Lord has given to every man. Watch verse 6. Now, this is Paul talking. He says, now listen, I have planted and Apollos has watered, but God gave the what? He gave the increase. Watch in verse 7. So then, neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God who gives the increase. Watch verse 8. Now, he that plants and he that waters are what? They are what? One. Amen. And every man, watch this now, because here's where we're about to get into this whole salvation and works thing. He says, every man shall receive his own what class? His own what? His own reward according to his labor. Let me ask you a question. What's another word for the word labor? Work. So he said, listen, know this, that every man is going to receive a reward based on his works. 
Watch this now. Verse verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry or field. You are God's building. Watch verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God which is given to me. This is Paul talking. He says, as a wise master builder, as a wise construction worker, he says, I have laid the foundation. So you say, well, what's the foundation? Well, let's keep reading. He says it. I've laid the foundation, but another builds thereupon. But then watch this. He says, but let every man be careful or take heed how he builds thereupon. Thereupon what? The foundation. What's the foundation? Let's keep reading. Look in verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay, then that is laid, which is what class? Jesus Christ. So who's the foundation? I said, who's the foundation? Jesus Christ is the foundation. So Paul said, listen, I'm a a wise construction worker. I've laid the foundation, and that's Jesus Christ. But watch how you build on that foundation. So then he says in verse 12, now if any man builds on this foundation, what foundation, church? Jesus Christ. He says gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. You say, well, what is that? Keep reading verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifested. So gold, silver, wood, clay, stubble, all that, those are types of works. And he says every man's work will be made manifest. For the day will declare it because it, that person's works, will be revealed how? By fire. And the fire shall try every man's what? Work of whatever sort it is. Now, if you notice, we're talking about works. We're talking about reward. If any man's work remains or abide, which he has built on what? Jesus Christ. What's going to happen to that man? What is he going to get? He's going to get a reward. So let me illustrate this. Come on over camera, people. So... We have here a quarter. Can you see that quarter? Probably not, but just believe that that's a quarter. So this is one of those precious metals that the Bible is talking about. He says, when you get saved and Jesus Christ, the foundation is laid in your life, you got to watch what you put on top of that foundation. He says, if you put on there gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, he says, those works that you put on top of Jesus, they're going to go through the fire one day. And if it goes through the fire and it lasts, you're going to get a reward. So watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. All right. See this? I am burning this quarter. Can y'all see that? I am burning the quarter. I'm burning it. I'm burning it. Is it, listen, is it melting? Is it melting? No, it's not melting. You know why? Because it is solid. But then he said, if a man's work, let me read the next verse. He says, but if any man's work, in verse 15, shall be what? Burned, he shall suffer what? Loss. Okay, let me ask you a question. The first man, his works went through the fire 
and he got a reward. So if this man right here who works didn't make it through the fire, if the first one got a reward, what is the second man going to lose? What is he going to lose, church? His reward. Okay, this is the person. See, see, this person, let me go back to the quarter. This person right here. See, this is a person who's living their life according to the principles of God. Oh, they giving because, you know, the word says to do that, to tithe. So you know what? That's going to, you think you're doing it for now. No, no, no. Next week I'm going to teach you there are rewards that you get here and when you die. So this person is giving like the Bible says. So they're giving. And, uh, man, that giving's gone through the fire. Man, he's going to get a reward because it went through. You know what he's doing? Oh, he's saving souls. He's witnessing the people. Why? Because the Bible tells us that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that work that he's done on top of Jesus, it's going through the fire. And it's going to last because it's biblical. But then you got some folks who uh, they are in Jesus Christ. And uh, they doing some works on top of Jesus. And these works going to burn up. See, this is when you got a boyfriend that you shacking with. And you shack with him for 20 years. When you get to heaven, that work is going to be burnt up. Now, I don't know about you, but I want everything I do to count. Now, let's see what, what happens else. Because I'm going to show you this is the salvation piece. Watch this now. He says in verse 15, If any man's work get burnt up like we just saw, he is going to suffer loss. What does he lose? He loses his reward. But he himself shall be what, church? That he shall be saved. So listen, my works and my salvation have nothing to do with each other. Listen, to be honest, God's got some bad kids. He got some baby kids. Write this down as a take-home statement. Are you ready? My works does not affect my salvation. My works affect my rewards. I'm going to say that again. My works does not affect my salvation. My works affect my reward. So here's a serious question. Touch your neighbor and say, he's about to get deep. Come on, put it in the comment section. He's about to get deep. I'm about to dive. You better put your scuba stuff on. Here's a question. How does sin impact my salvation then? Can, listen, can I sin my way into being unsaved? Well, I already read where it says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Well, let's look at a verse that I believe is going to put a nail in the coffin regarding this salvation is. So let's go to Romans chapter 5. Now, what I'm about to do and show you now, I'm about, to, I'm about to uproot what you were taught growing up. And today I want you to let it go. Let it go. You say, Pastor, I've never heard what you're teaching. I'm teaching you right out of the Bible. Romans 5, look at verse 19. It says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made what, church? Sinners. Who was that? Adam. Through Adam, his disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of how many? One shall many be made what? Righteous. Now, before I keep going, I want you to see that you cannot be both of these at the same time. You cannot be a sinner and be righteous at the same time. I didn't say now what, that we couldn't sin. I said you cannot be a sinner and righteous at the same time. Let me say it this way. 
Adam made us a sinner. Jesus made us righteous. You cannot be both. Do you see that? Okay, so let's watch verse 20. He says, moreover, the law entered. And the law was designed to help us see that we off. It said that the offenses might abound. He says, but where sin abounded, what did grace do? Grace did much more abound. Watch verse 21. That as sin has reigned unto death. In other words, the only thing sin can do is produce death. He said, so as long as sin is around, there's going to be death. He said, but even so, my grace reign through righteousness. And watch how long grace reigns until eternal life by Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry about my salvation because grace is going to take me all the way into eternal life. Boy, that's good news right there. Watch the New Living Translation of Romans chapter 5. It says, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Just so just as sin ruled over all people, and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace instead gives us right standing with God. Watch this now. Here's here's the timeline. Grace and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ. The old saints used to say, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So church, listen to me today. You can't sin your way out of salvation because grace covers your race. I'm going to say that again. Church, you cannot sin your way out of salvation. Why? Because grace covers your race. Salvation was a permanent transaction that is relied completely on the blood of Jesus Christ and his finished work that he did. So then I got another question. Everybody put in there. He's, he's coming again. I'm coming, I'm coming again. Here we go. Here's a question. So how does sin affect me then? It can't take me out of salvation. So what does sin do to me? Well, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages or the payment or the result of sin is what, class? It's death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So listen. Sin only has one impact on us, and that's death. Now, when we sin, it has consequences sometimes that we can see and sometimes that we can't see. And because we're humans, listen to me now, God knew we were going to sin. So he set up a way for our sins to be properly dealt with. And so this is now where our fellowship with God comes in. This is where our fellowship with God is impacted. Remember I said at the beginning, two things happened when you and I got saved. Something started. The first thing when we accepted Jesus, what started is our relationship with God. The second thing that started was our fellowship with God. So now we're going to talk about the fellowship piece. And so now if you're taking notes, here's point number two. Sin affects your fellowship. The New Living Translation, I'm getting ready to read a lot. But see, this is why, what's the name of this church? Word of Truth Family Church. So 
Look, I would rather sit up here and teach you the word than to talk about the word. See, you can hear preaching and they talking about the word. There is no power in talking about the word, but there is power in the word. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Watch the New Living Translation of 1 John chapter 1. Watch this now. I'm sweating out my waves right now. Praise the Lord. It says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, who we have seen and heard. They're talking about Jesus. This is John talking. He says, we saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He, Jesus, he is the word of life. This one who is is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and we proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life watch this now he was with the father and then he was revealed to us verse 3 we proclaim to you church what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you watch this now here's the context may have fellowship with us the word fellowship, when you look it up, the Greek word is koinonia, communion. It says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with who else? And with the Son, Jesus Christ. What's the context, church? Fellowship. Verse 4. We are writing these things to you so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we have heard from Jesus. And now we're declaring this message to you. That God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So if you, we are lying if we say we have, watch this, fellowship with God. Not relationship. He said, listen, you are lying. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God. But go on living in spiritual darkness. Hold on, church. That means you can be saved and walk in darkness. Are y'all with me, church? He said, listen, if you want to say you have fellowship with God, but you're living in spiritual darkness, he said, you're lying. He says, we are not practicing the truth. Let me tell you this again. You can be saved and not practice the truth. Watch what it says. Verse 7. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then you and I, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word is not in our hearts. Now listen, I know we're going into chapter 2, but remember the Bible is a whole letter. So we're going to read chapter 2 as if we're going right from chapter 1 right into chapter 2. He says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you. So that you will not sin. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. What? I, I don't have to sin? Sin sounds like a choice. I mean, when I was growing up, Wilson told me the devil made me do it. How many remember that? Anybody remember Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it? You old, that's why. Flip Wilson dead and gone, right? He said, I'm telling you, 
so that you will not sin. But thank God for the but. Thank God for the but. He said, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sin. And not only our sins, but the sins of the world. See, the world is saved. They just don't know it. That's why we have to tell them. Verse 3. And we can be sure that we know him. Listen, watch this now. We can be sure that we know him. If we obey his commandments. Watch this. Verse 4. If someone claims, oh, I know God. I know God. I know him. But doesn't obey his commandments. That person is a liar and is not living the truth. Didn't say they weren't saved. Just say they lying and they're not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word, watch this, truly show how completely they love him. And that's why Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But let me ask you a question. Do your kids obey you all the time? No. Does they not make them your kids no more? No. They still, listen, when landing or heaven, if they didn't do something right, that doesn't change their relationship status with me. But those who obey God's word show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Listen, church. One of the main reasons that Jesus died for us is so that we could have fellowship with God just like Adam and Eve had. What Jesus did, he didn't just die for our sins, but his whole goal was to reconnect us with God, restore our communion with God, and restore our fellowship with God so we could commune with him like Adam and Eve did. In in fact, the Bible says that God walked with them through the cool of the day. Watch this. But their sin affected their fellowship, but not their relationship. You say, I don't know about that. Well, let's look in Luke chapter 3. I'm almost done here. Luke chapter 3. Look in verse 23. You know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you're like, man, I don't know about all that. So, you know, one day I was, I said, you know what? I used to skip all the genealogies, you know, so-and-so begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so, who begot so-and-so. That's foolishness. I'm like, I don't want to read all that. I can't even pronounce half the names. So one day I decided, you know what, I'm going to read it just to say I read it. Well, I read it. I got a revelation. I'm about to show you the revelation. Luke chapter 3, verse 23. It says, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years old as being as was supposed the son of Joseph, who was the son of Heli, which was the son of Matthew, which was the son of Levi, who was the son of Melchi, which was the son of Jani, and who was the son of Joseph. Now, I'm going to skip because there's too much sons of so-and-so's. So let's jump down to verse 38. Verse 38 said, Who was the son of Enos? Who was the son of Seth? Who was the son of Adam? Who was the son of God? Adam did not lose his sonship when he sinned. 
He only lost his fellowship with God. And that's why when you sin, he says, if you confess it, it restores your fellowship. It does not touch your relationship. So Adam was born as a son of God, and he died as a son of God. However, when he sinned, everybody born after Adam was born sinners. That's why those who are born from Adam as sinners must now be, watch this, born again to become sons of God. Are y'all with me today? Sin separated Adam's communion with God. So to fix that, watch this. Genesis 3.21 says, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and he clothed them. See, right after God got used to talking with Adam and Eve, they messed up. They got disconnected from him. He said, oh man, I got to figure out how to get them back in fellowship with me. So the Bible says he killed some animals and covered them with the skin. But this is the first time now that, watch this, the shedding of blood took place in the Bible. Watch this now. And so watch this. Hebrews 10, 4 and 5 in the New Living Translation says this. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. This is why in the Old Testament they had to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. Because the sacrifices and the blood of animals was not designed to permanently take away the sins. It only covered their sins. It did not wipe the sins away. So Hebrews is telling us. It's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins. That's why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offers, but you gave me a body and I'm going to offer it to you. The message translation says, as a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins. And that was it. And he sat down right beside God. I love the King James that says this. But this man... After he offered one sacrifice for sins, forever, 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 forever. Let me tell you why sinning as a believer doesn't change your relationship status. Because if it did, Jesus would have to go die all over again. It says that he did this one time. Now, here's a take-home statement. I'm almost done. Hot dog. I'm running out of time. Sin affects my fellowship, but doesn't change my relationship. Now, here's what's dangerous about knowing this. People allow this this freedom now. See, once you know this, oh, my God, I can sin when I want to. It ain't going to change my salvation. Here's what's dangerous about knowing this. People allow their freedom to push them to sin versus pushing them away from sin. The NIV version of 1 Corinthians 6 says this. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you ought to do it. And here's the sad thing. 
Sometimes we allow our liberties, church, to put us in bondage. Now, I'm about to say something real strong. Everybody say real strong. Oh, I'm over my time, but I'm going to finish today. I'm going to say something real strong. I'm pretty sure you ain't never heard what I'm about to say. This, see, this liberty, this is how at times a leader, I'm talking about a church leader now, pastor, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, and all that. This is how people like that can be deceived into thinking that their wrongdoing is fine. Just because you don't see the immediate consequences of sin doesn't mean there are no consequences. See, and what's really dangerous is when a person can flow in the gifting that God gave them and have a raggedy life. Because it's possible to, listen, to flow in the gift that God gave you because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. If he gave you a gift, he ain't going to take it back. So you flowing in your gift. I'm talking about somebody right now. You flowing in your gift and you got a raggedy life. See, what happened is deception kicks in and says, well, God is okay with what I'm doing over here or the decisions I'm making over here. And he is because I see he's still allowing me to use the gifting. But they have confused God's gifting that he gave them with his acceptance of their foolishness. See, and I'm trying to help you as a church because, see, you have to understand God loves his church more than the gift he gives to preachers and people. He loved, see, remember Moses in the Old Testament? Moses, God was using Moses, and the people got upset. I mean, Moses got upset with the people. Now, the first time God had told Moses, Moses, I want you to take your stick, hit the rock, some water's going to come out. Moses wasn't upset that day. He hit the rock, water came out. But this day, Moses was upset with all the people. So you know what Moses did? God said, Moses, now I want you to go speak to the rock and water's going to come out. Moses was upset that day. So Moses takes the stick and he hits the rock twice. You know what happened? Water still came out of the rock. You know why? Because God loves his people and the need that they have more so than the foolishness of the person he's using. So let me close with this. <sighs> Here's a question. Does God punish us? That's a good question, ain't it? Does God punish us? Does God, does God punish us? Well, let me answer it up front. No, God doesn't punish his children. He disciplines us. Now, there's a major difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment happens as a result of bad behavior. That's why people go to prison. It's a punishment. But discipline happens to produce proper behavior. Discipline helps us to grow while punishment is designed to hurt us. When you and I decide to live lives outside of the word and his way, listen, he uses his word and he uses his spirit to convict us to help bring correction or discipline us. And it's always for our benefit. Hebrews 12, I'm closing with this verse because I am out of time. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. 
Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his. Since we have respected our earthly fathers who discipline us, I'm going to say who beat us, uh, shouldn't we submit even to more the discipline of the father of our spirits and live? Watch verse 10. For our earthly fathers beat us. Some of them discipline us for a few years doing the best that they knew how. But God disciplines is always what church It's always good for us so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceable harvest of right living for those who are trained by it. God uses his word. He uses his spirit. He uses preachers and teachers and the fivefold to help bring discipline. The problem is when we don't yield to those things, which is God's preferred way, then God sometimes allows the repercussions of our actions to help get us back on track. See, that's what happened with Noah. God told him to go do something, and Noah didn't. So it's the repercussions of Noah's decisions is what got him on track. But even when we're off track, The mercies of God are still new every morning. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap for that. So I'm done. So how are we going to apply this? Here's the first one. I don't know if they have it up there. Some of you watching me need to reset your spiritual foundation and accept the fact that salvation is free. We don't work to get saved, but we should work after we get saved. Here's number two. We need to make a decision to live right because you love God and you want to please him, not because you might lose salvation, because you won't. And then here's number three. Oh, this is so good. Make a decision today to do works that you will be rewarded for in this life and life eternal. If you got something out of the word today, would you give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, give me some hand claps online. Give me some hand claps online. With every head bowed. There are some people who need to reset your spiritual foundation. Oh, you were taught it was bad. It was wrong. It was controlling. And you got the truth today. But let me tell you something about truth. Truth has to land on a fertile heart. So what you got to do today, you got to renounce what you was taught. You got to renounce it. Oh, no, no, no. That was not truth. That was not right. A divided word. That was fear. That was controlling. And Lord, I release that now. And I denounce that teaching in Jesus' name. And Father, I receive the truth of your word today. Then there's some people. Man, you've been, your works that you've been putting on top of Jesus Christ is going to burn up. Because you have not made a decision to do works that not only line up with God's word, but works that will please God and create rewards for you in this life and the life to come. So Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the word. Thank you that it's challenged some, it's encouraged others, and it has enlightened many. And I thank you for the spirit of God bringing change. 
with every head still bowed. Maybe you're here in the, in the house or maybe you're watching me. Here's the question I have for you. If you died today, are you 100% sure?